all status, I'ma beat y'all back I pull up on the block in a big Corvette yeah. Riding around the city with a stick all black I'ma try with a stroke of weed with all that Welcome to the Roz Project, happy Friday everybody uh, We are live on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch LinkedIn and Periscope YouTube. Uh, I think I might have mentioned or not mentioned that. This is where we discuss no bullshit, 100% real, raw, unfiltered, life-changing advice to help you on life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. Of course, my name is Ivan Temelkoff, and uh, soon I will be joined by my amazing co-host, uh, co Courtney Turner. And uh, you know what? I almost couldn't spit that out, that intro. Uh, so technical difficulties this morning, trying to get going and uh, being Friday, being a long week, uh, being uh, out of town also on a business trip, you know, just a lot, a lot going on uh, today. And I almost couldn't spit that out. And actually, I see Courtney that just joined in the guest room. So I am going to go ahead and uh, bring her in. That's Courtney, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I am good. I am good. I am late. I'm having technical difficulties this morning. I have technical difficulties as well. It's that kind you of know, it's, it's, it's technology, right? What are you going to do? Yeah. Of course, you know, when you're pressing for time, it's, it's, it's so fascinating how that works. When you're pressing right. for time, and I was being late this morning, of course, you're like, okay, every minute counts. Every minute counts. Try to yeah. make the most of it. And then technology craps out on you. Yep. And that's when I messaged you. I was like, okay, I got to restart my computer. I got to get going. It's like, how are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, doing all right. Awesome, awesome. How, how was your week? Anything interesting happened this week? Um, What happens this week? I don't know. We're in the process of launching a new site that you're going to help us mm -hmm. with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wrote an article yesterday for it. So, that was pretty exciting, and uh, yeah, no. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm very excited about that too. I can't wait can't wait to share more about that. Uh, that's going to be ready in a couple weeks here, so I know that's a a next level thing for you. And I know you're absolutely stoked about it, and so am I because you know it it is 2021, and and I feel like this is the year when amazing things are going to happen. So let's do it. Let's grab the bull by the horns. Let's do it. So, all right. Um, so I wanted to talk about censorship in this episode. And when I messaged you, you were like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it, Ivan. You're going to bring it up. But you know what? You are so right. And I know me and you have had these conversations. I know you've shared about it, you know, on your, on your podcast. And you know what? The reality of things is we are being censored. And a lot of people don't realize that. And here's why. I, I want to preface this before we get into an in-depth conversation. And mind you, I think my cough is still hot, so I haven't really had any caffeine. So let's see oh, how this goes. But Because um, I would love to get your input on this. But here's the reality of things that most people don't understand. So in this digital age that we live in, we, yeah. we interact on social platforms like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, really any platform that allows you for expression. I shouldn't say the word freedom of expression because the freedom of expression is being censored. Now, where this really gets gray is that I think first of all, first of all, most people forget that these are all private entities, right? That's the first thing. Now, the second thing behind that is, is 
where does censorship and control of content versus actual freedom of expression, you know, kind of delineate, so to speak, right? Because, and I know you've, you've faced a lot of that, especially on Facebook. I know you've seen a lot of censorship and it's kind of like, what the fuck is going on, right? Like, well, this morning, yeah, 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 that is absolutely crazy, right? And let's face it, it is so frustrating to people. It really is. And and I know, and now of course, I have been nowhere personally, nowhere in the vicinity of how censored you have been, especially on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, I think it was years ago I told you this, that it was my own fault. I went on the bashing contest or something and mm-hmm. uh, got a little vulgar that I shouldn't have. I got really, really frustrated. Of course, Facebook banned me at that point. But I feel like, and I want to talk about this because I know you, you've experienced a lot of censorship just this year alone, you know, with, with Facebook, you know, potentially with, with YouTube also and, um, and, and other social platforms. So let's talk about that. You know, let's talk about censorship and how should social networks really be, you know, controlling this? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? So I want to start with something that you said, you said, you know, these are private companies. So that's partially true. However, under section 230, they act as uh, net neutrality platforms. And so they're granted uh, privileges under Section 230. Some of these privileges include, you know, impunity to lawsuits. Um, There are certain tax privileges that they get. Um, So essentially it's because of Section 230 that these platforms have grown to, you know, the, the scale that they have. Um, and now they are essentially, you know, the modern day version of like a public square, like a town hall. Um, so the best analogy that I could use for you is that if you take something like Twitter, for example, you know, which is one of the most uh, nefarious and egregious of the censorship, uh, you know, uh, platforms, it is essentially it's 140 characters that you're permitted. And so it would be the equivalent of a text that the whole world can see. That's what Twitter right. is has become. And that is the purpose of it. Um, so when you say it's a private company, that's not 100% accurate. Because it would be fine if they were private companies like publishing agents. And they can choose to be publishing agents. So an example mm-hmm. of that would be like, let me give you two examples. There is a New York Times, there's Epic Times, right? When you go to each of those sites, now, you know, hopefully they're both presenting facts, that, that we, we hope. However, you know the bias that you're going to receive. And people usually go to one versus the other with the intention of receiving that, that bias. You know, they know that uh, New York Times is pretty far left and, you know, most of what they're going to be right. uh, receiving there is going to be colored through that lens. And you may be going to to see that. And conversely, Epic Times tends to be, you know, a little bit more uh, shifted to the right. So, you know, people who are, but it's a publishing agent. So that means that they receive material or, you know, the people who work for them write articles and it's edited and it is polished, you know, and filtered. That, that's the key. It's filtered through that lens, and it's perfectly within their purview to do that. They don't right. receive, you know, the impunity from lawsuits. 
they don't receive the tax privileges under Section 230, they are publishing agents. The problem is that companies such as Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, some of these social media platforms have taken it upon themselves to decide what is permissible for the public to see and not see. And yeah. they've decided what can be, quote unquote, and I put it in quotes, fact checked, because half of what they check is not factual. Um, and right. half of what they, you know, suggest needs fact checking is an opinion, first and foremost. And second of all, who decide what, when did they become the authority on these fact checking? You know, yeah. and then you start to dig a little bit deeper. You know, a lot of this is triggered by AI. And, you know, Facebook, for instance, has an organization called hatespeech.org. Um, they are actually based out of China. Uh, it's the same platform that China uses to censor their public. Um, you know, and it is yeah. part of the social credit rating that uh, is part of what the AI that they use to develop their social credit rating for their constituents. Um, that is not acceptable for the American public. Um, so that that that's definitely raises some concerns that I think people should yeah. be, you know, questioning, yeah. And investigating. Yeah, I think, and that's a very valid point. Absolutely. I wanted to add to that because I think the, the challenging part is, as you were explaining, is just that, you know, where where does it cross-pollinate between privately owned entity and then, like you said, they're they're under, you know, a legal, legal control where they're, they're supposed to be allowing, you know, the general public to be expressive, you know, of their opinions and previews of things. But at the same time, they're censoring the content by utilizing AI and the algorithm basically to determine basically, you know, it's kind of like what's in favor, you know, basically playing favors in, in, in a sense. And so I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things for people is because most people think that, okay, I can go on Facebook, be vulnerable, be genuine, right? And, and expressive only to see that, oh, my post is gone. What happened to it? You know? And it's just like, Okay, well, if there's freedom of speech, and I think this is really where it gets gray because I, I know we've had conversations in the past. I know you've talked about it with a lot of people, and mm -hmm. I think I think most people would agree that there is true censorship. There is, but they're just not. I guess it's it differentiates based on their own individual experience, right? So the if you're censored a lot because let's say you're very polarizing or you really are exposing truth. And Facebook or or Twitter, Twitter is totally notorious about it. Mm -hmm. you know, I have to agree. I feel like they have had to change their rules and guidelines in 2020 alone so many times because people have called them out on bullshit. And mind you, this is coming from someone like me who mm -hmm. I really haven't even engaged on Twitter for probably a couple of months, mainly because uh, not because I don't see that censorship is happening, it's because I think that it's creating chaos, a lot of chaos. But I think it's almost kind of essential though, right? Because when you're trying to find the truth and expose the truth, chaos is bound to happen because there's one side that agrees and says, no, this is the truth. And there's the other side who d disagrees, which is Twitter, like, hey, you know, you're in breach of our rules and guidelines, right? So, you know, let's talk about, was it Section 208 that you mentioned? Section also, 230. Section 230. Section 230. You see, that that's how abreast I am with what's going on, really. <laughs> Section 230. Let's talk about Section 230 a little bit. 
let's expose more of it and let's talk more about because I know this is your area of specialty when it comes to you know the legal and the psychological side of this. But let's talk about Section 230 and let's really extrapolate this and share with viewers and listeners also like why should you be concerned with Section 230? How does how does it affect you as a consumer, as a human being? Right. So Section 230, and I actually do just pull it up here in a minute. I can actually mm-hmm. read it so that people can be, you know, versed within. And I encourage everybody to do their own research. That's why we have freedom of speech. You know, it's not, I want people, right. if I can impart anything and inculcate anything to others, it is that people should hone their critical thinking skills. You know, I don't want to tell you what to think. You know, it's an honor if I can teach you how to think, you know, then that then I feel, you know, that I have done some service. Um, but I certainly don't want to tell you what to think. And I think that, that that right there is the crux of the problem with censorship is that right. we're constantly being told what to think. People are being indoctrinated instead of encouraged to go out and do their own research. But then the, the problem gets further compounded when you have censorship and it what you can research and discover becomes limited. And then you're seeing a very filtered uh, source. So an example would be people today don't go to a library and use the Dewey Decimal System to start doing their research. That's not what people do. You know, they go to, what do they typically go to? They go to Google. Google is notorious for censorship. So you may be looking something up and I've done this before. I've done parallel searches with DuckDuckGo and Google. And Mm. what comes up is, very, very, you know, diametrically opposed. So that right there is a problem because if somebody doesn't know that and they're trying to do their own research, they're already limited in what they're going to discover. Um, So again, I'm gonna go back to, you know, I talked a little bit with section 230 about the privileges that are granted. Those privileges are granted under the premise of being net neutrality. So net neutrality means that they're an open forum. Like I was saying, like a town square kind of a, a, you know, center where people can freely, openly discuss ideas. That means that there may be a lot of ideas or words that someone might find offensive or they might disagree with. And that's exactly what a town hall is. It is a bunch of different, uh, you know, possibly opposing dissenting views that are being presented. And the beauty of something, you know, personally, I like Twitter. And the reason I like Twitter is because I'm not in an echo chamber. I want to see what other people who may have dissenting views from myself are saying. What are they thinking? Sure. You know, how do they think? Where do they come up with those ideas? And, you know, do I maybe agree with some things that I never thought I might agree with? Or, you know, do I have to now become a better uh, communicator and learn better how to articulate my perspective so that maybe they can see you know, some of the holes in their argument? So yeah. for me personally, I, that's what a town hall does. And I really, you know, enjoy that, appreciate that. Um, yeah. So the problem is that what they're doing is they're acting as uh, publishing agents. They're not acting as net neutrality. Net neutrality means they're neutral. They don't have a stance. And we've seen they, they do have a stance. You know, they're yeah. deciding where they're censoring. And we can see that they're being very... Uh, pointed in what they're censoring. And you've seen this throughout history. This is the danger yep. of this. You know, you've yep. seen this in Germany, you see this in Russia, you see this in a lot of communist country where, countries where books are banned, 
You know, you can't. And now in this country, we have all sorts of books. I was so appalled to learn that my favorite book, my all-time favorite book, you know, even as an adult, I would still say it's my favorite book, um, yep. Wrinkle in Time. Why on earth is that on the banned list? What, what about that is so, <laughs> quote, unquote, dangerous to people, right? Right. Um, and so it, it, we really have to start thinking about what is being, and this morning, Mike Lindell, who spent, you know, a fortune's worth of his own money to investigate, hopefully I don't get taken down for saying this word, because I know it triggers the AI, uh, but to investigate fraud. Um, sure. And I, I sent the link out. I have not been able to watch it just yet, but I sent the link out to several people. And I have, I can count on at least 10 people who've told me that that link has been taken down. They cannot watch the video. I've heard they can, they go to his site. Uh, but the fact that it's being taken down, you know, it's a movie. People should be able right. to watch and discern for themselves. And the, the danger of this is really that, and I see this, I see this is so prevalent. It's such a problem. People don't know how to think for themselves. Critical thinking is really a lost skill and a lost art. Now, I'm a believer that critical thinking is something that to some degree is innate. You know, there are people who are, you know, it's kind of like IQ. Some people are going to have better capacity for learning and for critical thinking skills. Uh, but if you're not taught and if you're not encouraged and if you don't have the bandwidth, the, the the opportunity for it, then it's never going to be developed. And I think all people can be encouraged to do their best to think critically, um, yeah. and, you know, think for themselves most first and foremost. So if you'd like, I can read off uh, what Section 230 actually is. Um, yeah, absolutely. And actually, before you do that, I wanted to mention a couple of things that you talked about because this is this is where it gets gray is this yeah i'd like to hear said, where you think it gets gray yeah well what where it gets gray is it's like you said uh it's it's important for people to do their own research that's first and foremost secondly is and the reason this this gets gray is is that people will actually choose to believe what they want to believe too even if there is factual proof that I know we talked about this is, you know, you might think the grass is red, but it's really green, right? <laughs> but you still think that the grass is red because you just think that, you know, red grass is the coolest thing you've seen, right? But in reality, you know, it's green. It's just the way it is. But you choose to live, and we, di we did an entire episode on this about realities, right? It's like you choose to live in your own bubble. Well, yeah. That's literally it. But you're not, you're living in that bubble because you make that choice. So I think with social and censorship. And like you said, it, it's a, it's a fucking movie. You know, people should be able to watch it and draw their own conclusion rather than being censored from the top because someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. You know, that that's literally it. So let's talk about section 230 Cause I do want you to talk a little bit about it. It's important, especially when it comes to net neutrality, because a lot of people just don't know about it. So take it away. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just going to, again, just brief that this is the reason why when people make the argument that they're private companies, that's not a valid argument. Because publishing agents, they can totally decide they want to publish whatever they want to publish. So, for instance, like, I'm about to launch Truth Matters. That's my, uh, you know, magazine site. Mm -hmm. We can, we, there are three of us right now who are the co-founders. It's up to us now. We can discuss amongst ourselves and say, yay, nay. That is fully within our purview. We are not a net neutrality platform. 
and there may be things on there we decide we don't want to publish. However, right. if we were a net neutrality platform and we're accepting privileges, then we, we no longer can have that kind of discernment. And I think what they're doing under the guise of these you know, community guidelines is, is not very honest. Uh, so I'll read it. It is pretty long. You can stop me at any point. Um, so. Go ahead. Yeah, let me make sure that. Uh, well, and I think, you know, as you're reading that, Courtney, too, is this, I would probably emphasize on the, the synopsis of it so people can have a general understanding of mm -hmm. Section 230, because believe it or not, a lot of people do not have a general understanding of Section 230, let alone how it applies to social media specifically, because you didn't mention earlier or earlier on, uh, I believe you mentioned it indirectly, that social media has the power to control simply because it has reached such mass exposure. And so therefore, I mean, we've seen elections being influenced by social media and being utilized, like you said, as a town hall, but being shifted in their own individual direction to uh, favor a certain candidate, right? So um, let's talk about Section 230 and just, you know, kind of, if you've been focused on like the meat and potatoes of like, why should I care about Section 230? You know, how, how, is, it, how is it important to me? Because I think a lot of people are incoherent. Yeah, um, I'm trying to pull up the actual, I don't want to pull up like commentary on it. Like I want the actual law um, mm -hmm. because I, I think that's important as well. You know, it, again, it goes to the critical thinking, right? Um, a lot of people are being taught what to think, not how to think. And so many people are not capable of reading primary sources. And, and I've really heard this from people. I will send, you know, like a government document to someone and they'll say, yeah, give me the synopsis or I need like a, you know, recap of that. And, you know, sure. that's, that's fine. But I think if we were less conditioned to be reading somebody's opinion and more conditioned to be making analyses for ourselves, that we would see less of that. And we would also see less of this, uh, you know, I, I think it would be harder, more difficult for this censorship to occur because people would be really doing their own critical thinking. Um, so I am trying to find like the actual, I don't want to read like an opinion. I'm having trouble pulling that up quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the gist of it is the these privileges. So, you know, the first mm -hmm. and foremost is that they have impunity from lawsuits um, and that's huge. You know, you, you probably, I'm sure everybody's very familiar with the types of lawsuits that a lot of publishing agents are subject to, um, yeah. you know, and they, you know, defamation, uh, you know, all types of uh, legal complications that can arise. Whereas in net neutrality, uh, you know, they're granted impunity from a lot of these legal, um, you know, assaults uh, or lawsuits that could be right. um, attacked on them. So that's one. And then there are also their tax uh, privileges that they're granted as a result of it. Um, these are the, this is part of why companies like Twitter, like Facebook have grown to the, to the scale that they've grown. They would not have otherwise. You know, this is why they, and it, their net neutrality, that, that is the, you know, contingency is that they are not censoring, that they are not, uh, you know, exercising a bias towards one side or one viewpoint. Uh, whereas publishing agents are not like that at all. You know, 
as I gave the example of New York Times, you know what you're getting when you go to that, you know, and you can't, you, you can't critique that, you know, exactly. And they're very uh, transparent about that. And they, they do lots of censoring and lots of filtering. Uh, that's exactly what their job is. They're publishing agents. So that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, as you were as you were speaking about this, um, well, I looked it up online, and I just wanted to to for those that aren't familiar with it, and also you know for my own research, you know, uh, this is Section two thirty of U.S. Code forty seven, uh, U.S. Code two thirty, uh, Title forty seven, that um, has to do with um, protection for private blocking and screening of offensive material so uh what what that basically is and and mind you i'm mentioning this because i want people to actually look it up and when i say look it up is uh i actually noticed that the department of justice actually had issued a letter for the reform of section 230 and you know that's an essential thing for people who um, you know, believe in freedom of speech, obviously, which is a lot of us in the United States of America. You know, that's that's our right. It's our freedom of speech, but you know, also freedom of expression, and also uh, basically Section Two Thirty and a gist. And there's a lot of it, but I encourage those people watching and listening to this episode to make sure that you go to a .gov website when you're doing your research, because this is where this gets gray. Is when people do research and they say, well, I found this document on, on like The Verge. No, The Verge is their own opinion. It's yeah, not that's my point, yes. Right? It's they, they will put their own opinion on Section 230. What you need to do is when you do research, you need to get the information from a credible source. So when you go to a .gov site, which .gov for many of us, we know that's a government website. It's a government-controlled entity. And that is the one place that you're actually going to get the full Section 230 document that will explain what it is, uh, what it does. And honestly, as I pulled it up, you know, th there's a lot. There's the policy of it. There's the protection yeah. for Good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive material. And I think where the reason why Section 230 is so problematic, Problem problematic in the sense is, is that there's so much information and, and I think a lot of these social entities and platforms like Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and really any and, and Snapchat and, and Instagram, LinkedIn, any and all of those basically are able to, they're basically, you know, being able to maneuver through the cracks, so to speak. And I don't know, this is this is where it's probably above my pay grade, and I'll be the first to admit that is is it intentional for them to do that? Maybe because they want to have control or is it they do it because they're incoherent to it, which now that side of it, I'm like, wait, you've got some of the best lawyers in the world working for you. So anyway, go ahead. So I, I think we can see that there are very specific things that get censored and there's consistency in that. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where it's problematic. So if you're going to be a biased site, you are not net neutrality. You're not a net right. neutrality platform. And so, you know, that's that's fine. If you want to have a, um, you know, I don't encourage it, but, you know, in in this whole thing, it's a, it says promotion of competition, promotion of free speech. That's right. what 230 is designed to, uh, to promote. And if that's the case, 
then having a social media platform that says, you know, I only want, you know, people can, can only discuss, uh, you know, anything pertaining to aliens on this site. Anything else right. will be kicked off. Now, if they, it is within somebody's purview to create a platform that does that. You know, maybe something more uh, reasonable might be, uh, you know, not to say that somebody can't do that. That's totally within their purview. But, you know, something might be more like a, uh, you know, a job, a job community site. That might actually be, somebody might be creating a social media platform that is just for artists to network. Like yeah. maybe it's for performing artists to network. I could totally see that happening, right? And then anybody who starts discussing, uh, say, aliens or to start discussing, right, right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm blanking, but, you know, like agriculture, um, then, you know, the the ad, the admin or, you know, the uh, founders of whoever is controlling the site could say, you know, this, this is not acceptable content. Uh, you know, that's right. not what the site was designed for. And that's acceptable because they're being transparent and upfront about that. But you can't have a platform that is intended and accepting privileges as a net neutrality platform and then decide that you only want to hear a certain voice and a certain narrative. Well, that's, that's where acceptable. That, that's where actually I wanted to jump in on that because that is exactly where you're being biased, as you said, because it's actually contradicting, right? Is this if you say we support net neutrality and we operate under Section 230, but we're going to be biased because, like you said, yeah, we're a platform about artists and someone comes in and talks about aliens, right? But they're not a net neutrality platform. That's my point. So my right. point is that right. it is okay for somebody to say, I want to be a publishing agent. And I am specifically only designing this for artists to network for jobs. That is okay, but then you're not a right. net neutrality platform. So this right. is part of why Trump kept saying we need to get rid of Section 230. Um, you, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, like, I, I'd have to be, I, I, I would need to do more research to know where I stand on right. that. I'm right. trying to say that it would be pretty hard to wipe it out at this point. It's kind of like, exactly. well, I don't know necessarily that the Federal Reserve should have been implemented, but at this point to say, oh, just let's do away with it, hold up. But there <laughs> might need to be a transition, you know? What's your backup right. strategy? What's your alternate plan? Um, so I think right. people are very quick to say, you know, uh, something is bad and let's just abolish it, get rid of it. Um, and right. in some cases, that's, you know, that's acceptable. And in other cases, it's, it may be, uh, you know, it, it may sound like a good idea, but there isn't really a smooth process and, you know, right. what happens in the meantime while you're doing that. So I think that with something like Section 230, a reform might be a better strategy at first um, and then see, you know, I, again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm certainly not a constitutional lawyer, but I can tell you that what I'm seeing with this censorship is absolutely not okay. It's actually yeah. terrifying. It's horrifying. The trajectory that has uh, occurred and, you know, where that has led to in other countries is incredibly dangerous. Uh, you know, right. and I, I, you know, my running joke that I keep saying is make Orwell fiction again. <laughs> you know, um, I feel like we are really living in Orwellian times. And that's yeah. the danger of this kinds of censorship. You know, I've had... As you said, I, I've experienced this personally, and you know, especially on mm -hmm. Facebook, I will post things. I'll post a direct video, and they'll say, 
the new one that they like chummy's context is missing really it is a direct video from the horse's right. mouth what right. context is missing and why is it that i why is it that some tech overlord gets to tell me what it is that i i can and can't say on my platform yeah yeah no i i i want to i want to step back for a second because um so the purpose behind this episode was really to educate people about censorship and also highlight how Section 230 is something that everyone at least should have basic knowledge of to understand how it works. I agree with you. I don't know if getting rid of Section 230 is a good thing. That's like basically saying let the criminals run the streets and we won't control them. Basically, that's like the, the Actually, analogy. I don't agree with that. That's not what it would say. Um, my, it, yeah, that's right. actually, no, that's not what it would, it, that wouldn't be the ramification. That's not the problem. Right. The problem is if you abolish section 230 completely, what mm -hmm. happens to all of these, uh, platforms currently, you know, right. do they, right. uh, do they now become publishing agents or do they disappear? Um, are they, you know, do they have, uh, are they punished for, the violation, there's way too many questions. So it's not, you know, that suddenly yeah. we just have criminals running the street. That That's not what would happen. That's not the problem with it. Um, you know, right. I, I think I think <laughs> you may be focusing on the, uh, the there's, you know, the the dangerous speech component. I, that That's the argument a lot of people make. I, mm -hmm. I have to be really honest. I, I don't support even the statement hate speech. Who decides what's hateful? I could say something that you find incredibly offensive. I could say the exact same thing to another person yep. and yep. they it's a joke and they laugh. You know, who gets to be the authority to decide what is hateful? You know, yeah. they, on, on the note for section 30, I was actually agreeing with you. I was just getting to the punchline actually and saying that I'm in agreement with you that getting rid of it is probably not a solution. Reforming it yeah. is a better solution because I mean, it's it really stems up to principle from a standpoint is this that uh, some things have I mean, those kinds of things have to be controlled. They have to be controlled. But the problem with that is this that and this is why what I want to do. Controlled, though, I think that's where my question comes mm -hmm. into play and who decides what's being controlled that I think that's dangerous, right. a very slippery slope. Right, right, right. No, that's that's a really good point, too. I mean, you know, uh, uh, is is so section 30 and what it what it outlines and the way you know freedom of speech and expression on these social networks like should that really be in existence if these platforms tend to promote net neutrality and freedom of speech which is what they say that they do so it, it's kind of like i mean i agree with you is this that is there really a need for section 230 and if there's a need for it then we need to reform it yeah and, and I, I agree. I ultimately don't know that we should have Section 230, but I don't know that uh, eradicating it uh, immediately is the, the best protocol. There might be kind of like a reform and then, you know, and then take it away. Some, you know, transition. I, I think, you know, when you're dealing with uh, such a large number of people, uh, sometimes such a huge kind of uh, the t removal of something right, is, right. it's further chaos. So I think that's, that's the problem that I see. Uh, so I think it's not that I think that we need to keep it. That's not necessarily what I'm advocating, but I do think that there should be some sort of transition process. It is a yep. very complicated uh, issue to deal with. So I, yep. I, 
as I said, I would need to do more research before I formulated my opinion. And I'm certainly the furthest thing from an expert on, you know, uh, any sure, law sure. or section sure. 230 even. So, well, but, you know, the, this discussion, you may, what you just said exactly is this is yeah. that, you know, I, I, w I would encourage people to do their own research. This is why mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, the government entities and the, and the sources that actually outline what Section 230 is. And they talk more, you know, comprehensively about, you know, what is censorship and, and how does that apply also. Yeah. Now, you know, some people will say, and again, this is where I think it gets gray, is this that because, you know, it, you may want to believe that the grass is red when it's really green. You know, so you may you may say, well, OK, I'm being censored all, all the time, but is it in reality that or maybe you're not being censored and you're still being able to express yourself? I don't know. And that's where well, I think, you know, that's where I think it's based on experience, because that's why I want to talk about it, is I know someone like you, you know, has been censored a lot. And I look at myself, I'm like, OK, am I just not being polarizing enough or like I'm not exposing enough truth, maybe? And that's why I haven't been sensitive. A lot of people who are, you know, not uh, politically on the right. And this stems from mm -hmm. Herbert Marcuse, right? He wrote a paper called Repressive Tolerance um, and he coined the term liberating tolerance. It literally meant we will accept everything that comes from the left. We reject everything that comes from the right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we're seeing that today. And that, yep. that, that is not made up. That's not a conspiracy. Everybody can go look up Herbert Marcuse. I think it's 1965, was it, or 1967. It's one of those. It's around yep. that time period. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, I'm not 100% on the date. Uh, but the paper we call Repressive Tolerance. And, it, you know, it, it really outlines what we are experiencing today. Um, I think a really good example, you know, you brought up my, my example of the, the grass being red and is that so bad if yeah. somebody really thinks that, um, should they be censored for saying it? I think, you know, that's certainly it's within their purview. They may be wrong. They can say it and somebody else can say, you're yeah. wrong, you know, let me show you why you're wrong. And right. I think that is way more powerful. Wouldn't you rather somebody say like, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I think the grass is red and somebody else shows a picture and says, uh, no, actually, look, it's green. It's you know, green. you have a conversation, you prove counter evidence. And yep. that encourages yep. critical thinking. But I wanted to bring up another example, which would be religion. And this yeah. is a very important example because it is one of the reasons this country was founded. Our country was founded upon freedom of and freedom from religion. And you know, yeah. I, and I'm going to say this, I don't want to offend anybody. You know, I, I'm not discouraging or disparaging religion. I am a huge uh, advocate of religious beliefs, spiritual beliefs and practices, and I encourage people to practice and believe whatever resonates for them. Uh, and especially during difficult and trying times, I think religion has done amazing things for people. So I do want to right. preface it by right. saying that. But if you look at some of the stories in the Bible, they're from an objective stance they're kind of crazy right like we're supposed to believe that you know uh he died and he's going to be resurrected and you know they're, they're very uh unbelievable when i say unbelievable they're they're difficult to believe stories right that's why right. they're predicated right. on faith they're we don't have concrete yep. evidence to prove yep. them. It, it's faith you take a leap of faith to subscribe to a religious uh perspective and religious worldview. And I, I, our country was predicated on the notion that people are uh, free to 
subscribe and hold these beliefs right that you know uh hold this worldview and they're also free uh from it they don't have yep. somebody could say you know that's hogwash i don't believe it it doesn't make sense i i see no evidence and if that's within their purview to do so and people can have conversation very uh you know deep meaningful profound conversation mm -hmm. where they disagree they can say this doesn't make sense to me and somebody else can you know, teach them the biblical teachings and somebody can be enlightened and learn from that. So, and, you know, absolutely, without a doubt, you know, it's undeniable that the moral underpinnings, this country was founded upon the Judeo-Christian values and those underpinnings were woven into the fabrics of our founding documents. And it is part of why uh, certain things like our free markets work because the Ten Commandments are, you know, a counterbalance to human nature's proclivity right. greed, you know, and for, you know, excessive ambition and hubris and all the things that are incumbent within us. You know, anybody who really studies humanity understands that, you know, the great evil that we face is not out there. It's in us. Our job mm -hmm. in life is to surmount the evil within us, to find something that motivates us to do more good than harm. And that's yeah. not an easy task. You know, anybody who truly takes a hard look at themselves knows they have darkness within. And our founding fathers yeah. knew that. That's why they created the documents they created. That's why they created it as a fixed document, because they knew human nature was was static. That's not, mm. you know, That's, technology may change, the society, yeah. the culture may change, but human nature is, is human nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to I want to share something. I think it'll come to a shocker for many viewers and listeners, but I feel it needs to be shared. And you brought it up. There's a lot of people on my social media who have questioned my political stance. Uh, am I a left? Am I a right? And you talked about the truth. And honestly, this had to be said because I really don't care about left or right. I care about truth. That's yeah. what I care about. And I think the, when you were talking about the Ten Commandments and also our Constitution being fixed documents, is that that was an excellent point that it was a they're fixed documents because human nature tends to manipulate things. So when you put something in 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 stone, so to speak, then there's a far lesser chance of it being manipulated. But to the point I was trying to make, and a lot of people may find this as a shocker because I literally have had people on social media who have unfriended me because I wasn't a right or I wasn't a left supporter. And it's like, wait, 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 aren't we all looking for the truth here? So you're going to label me that I'm something or something that I'm not? Like, how does that help expose the truth? So back to the point of censorship, this mm -hmm. is why censorship is so uh, dangerous because if you're being censored, how can truth be revealed? Right? Exactly. You, know, you can't get to the truth if uh, you're being, if freedom of speech is being limited. You know, like for instance, right. with, we'll take Lindell, we'll take his movie, right? It, he's presenting evidence in his movie. He's making a case, he's, made, he's presenting an argument. And through that, people can discern you know, what is real, what is not, what resonates for them. But if he can't do that, if you can't present evidence, if you can't speak an opinion, if you can't state a fact, 
how does anybody arrive at what the truth is? You know, we, we've had this conversation in terms of, you know, objective versus subjective reality. But right. the truth of the matter is we are all biased. We are all only looking through our only our own lens. You know, I only have my eyes and my set of experience with right. which to see right. the world. However, objective truths do exist. And I think as humans, you know, anybody who is, has an inquisitive mind is searching for that truth. But if you're right. having... If you're constantly experiencing censorship, you can't, there's no way to arrive at that truth because you're constantly, and this goes back to my point earlier about being fed what to think instead of how to think. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And, and I mean, again, uh, this is what I love about you is this that you bring uh, so much transparency to the situation. And uh, that's one of the beauties, obviously, you know, and that's why I, want, I actually picked censorship is because. I knew that there's a lot of um, misinformation. There's a lot of lack of education. And I think there's a lot of people, including myself, out there who, you know, I'm just in pursuit of the truth. You know, what, what is what is the truth? And But even then, I think a lot of people say, well, there's different types of truths. No, it's, it's really there's only one truth. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like going back to the, the most simple of example is like, you know, uh, you might think that the grass is red, but I look at him like, no, Courtney, it's green. You know, you're like, no, it's red. Right. But you like to think that it's red when in reality it's green. And it's like, OK, that's where agree to disagree. Right. Because some people choose, like you said, we're biased. We well, really are. A really good example right now is two plus two is four. Right. Two plus two is four. And you know that that was in Orwell's right. book, right? You know, no, two plus two is five. And they insisted you had to say they they and this is how brainwashing work. Well, in common right. core math, they're actually teaching. I, I don't know how they justify this, but they're teaching the two plus yeah. two is five. And I've heard all sorts of insanity. Like, you know, if you right. argue that two plus two is in five, then you're a racist. I'm like, I don't know how one, you know, even how you could even put those two in two. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what one has to do with the other, um, but they're making right. this argument. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, facts are facts, and two plus two is four. I don't care how you slice it; you are never going to convince me. Two, two, four. I've got four fingers up here. There, you can't convince right. me otherwise. And I've heard people make this argument about you know, yep. you know, fractals, and I'm like, right, two point five plus two point five that equals five, but two yep. is two. It's a whole number. You know, what's really interesting is there is a shortage of mathematicians in the United States. And I think that in that example, because I, I agree with you, but that's where, you know, what's really, the reason I mentioned that, that there's a lot of people who uh, have called me, you know, have unfriended me on social media because I didn't support their views. But in reality, we're both actually in pursuit of the same thing is because the context was missing. So they would say, well, Ivan, two plus two is really five. So if you don't see it, you're a communist. I'm like, wait, two plus two is four, you moron. Like, how in the hell is it five? Like, like literally, I cannot even, that is just completely irrational. And that's my point is just that I think we need more education around this. We need people to open their eyes. We need people to be optimistic, not to be, because I am biased too. I know this as a human being. But there's a difference between being, I think, dead set in your biased ways and being optimistic so you can truly find out, again, going back to two plus two. Like, is two plus two four or is it five? Well, it's four. Any way you add it up, 
it adds up to Anybody four. Anybody who's questioning me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like that's, and that's, that's what's so, I think a lot of people, like I said, it goes back to uh, what you choose to believe. And a lot of people want to believe what they want to believe. People may want to believe what they want to believe, but I think this is where the, the question of censorship is really, you know, integral because uh, yeah. you said people need to be educated and they do, they need to be educated, not indoctrinated. Uh, there mm. has been, you know, the, this long march through the institutions is very real. You know, I, I, I'll give you just a kind of very quick, uh, you know, after the Bolshevik revolution, uh, Lenin was very concerned. He said, you know, according to Marx, this was supposed to spread throughout the West. And why isn't that happening? And he had a meeting yeah. with uh, Willie Munzenberg and Antonio Gramsci. And they said, because it can't be just an economic uh, revolution. This has to be a cultural revolution. And, you know, Willie Munzenberg said, and he, he said, this is a quote. He said, we're going to make the West so corrupt it stinks. And they, uh, you know, by way of, I believe, you know, through Germany and then England, uh, they made their way to the United States. They started the Institute for Social Research in uh, 1923 at Columbia University. And it was their intention to infiltrate and indoctrinate through the five pillars of society. But they really rammed through uh, the, in the academic institutions. Um, and, yeah. sorry, hang on. Uh, you know, they really ram through these academic institutions. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's part of the problem is that we're seeing a lack of true knowledge being taught and it, truth, really truth being taught. And so it's being censored and filtered through a certain perspective and narrative. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the danger of that is that, again, people are being taught what to think, not how to think. And people, you know, particularly children's schools, when they're questioning something yep. that may go against that narrative, they're being penalized, they're being discouraged. In some cases, they're being brutalized. And that's sure. dangerous. That's dangerous to the society. It's dangerous to the culture. It's dangerous to the country. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with what you said, is that you should have a choice on you know, how you should think and not being force fed on what you should think. And, you know, that's where I'm, I'm very actually delighted that you brought that up because, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, through, through my, through my life, there have been experiences that I think have made me question that, right. It's kind of like, and, and maybe that was because, you know, I did live through, I did live in a former communist country. Yeah. But I was so young, you know, it was up until the age of nine. And, you know, when you're, you know, nine years old, which was like, you know, at the tail end of it, like, yeah. let's just face it that you can't really rationalize what's going on. Like, you can't really truly logically understand because you're so young. Your brain is just not developed. You know what else? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. No, I mean, you see, it's not that you're you're stupid and incoherent. It's no. just you don't know how to rationalize it to really actually make sense of it, if that makes sense. No, it does. And you know what else? I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, and uh, I had a conversation with someone actually on a podcast, and we were discussing this, and she brought up a really good point, and I think it's very valid. Um, so I've noticed the people who have fled communist countries yeah. you know, that were communists, and they come here, they – they don't recognize the dangers of what we're experiencing currently because, you know, the contrast is so great. You know, for them, this is a stark juxtaposition and 
things are so much better here than you know what they escaped. However, right. what I've noticed, because I've noticed a lot of people who right. have come from countries that were socialist and became communists, which most countries do, you know, it's very rare that socialism stays socialism. And I don't think we've ever actually seen true socialism, uh, you know, uh, just stay yes. socialistic. It becomes communistic in the and that that's part of the problem. But what I've noticed is these people who have come from socialist countries that became communists and then come here, they're outraged, they're terrified because they've seen those steps and the pattern and they're yeah. terrified of that happening here because they've seen these little things, you know, and it's always incremental. You know, I talked about the march through the institution. This is hundreds of years. This is not overnight, you know, uh, that suddenly we lose freedom. Right. Right. Not all happens. And but I think people who've experienced that transition and the, they can see the trajectory and they know where it ends up and they're outraged, they're terrified, you know, and they're really, uh, you know, determined to put a stop where people who've come from countries that were already communist in nature, you know, I don't think it's just that they're young, you know, for you, maybe yeah. But yeah. I think some of them, you know, it's not that some of them, it's just that, you know, it's so, uh, it's such a stark contrast that they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're complaining. Life is so good. How, how could you complain? You don't have a right to complain. Um, but they don't recognize the steps that got to where, you know, things were in the place that they escaped. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, you know, again, it, it comes down to experiences and purview because I think they do differentiate. I mean, and I can speak a lot, you know, to this and I know, you know, my father who, you know, immigrated here in, you know, late 1990, you know, has really seen a lot of things that have happened, but even, you know, again, it just goes back to experiences and different purview, you know? So, um, I know we can keep going and talking yeah. about this. I can talk about this for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much really about censorship, but um, you know, I want to thank you because you know, uh, this was a really good topic that I wanted to discuss. I think it's important for people to understand what they're up against. Uh, again, there's always a lot more to share, but hopefully, this episode gives people enough education, viewers and listeners, um, you know, about you know the the issue with censorship so they can do their own research they can they can participate you know they can become more educated and and really stand up for for that you know because um you're right i think you know someone like you is able to depict these steps and see that actions are taking someone like me i feel like i still have a lot of education you know uh, around censorship um, but it's something, it's not something that I'm incoherent to. It's just need more education around. And that's where people kind of, I think, scrutinize. It's like, I just need more education. It's not that I'm against it. I mean, we're doing an entire episode about it, you know? So uh, I want to think- why, why we can't have censorship, because how are you supposed to learn if, if you're being censored or I'm being censored, if I can't talk to you and we can't have this discord, how are you supposed to learn? How are you supposed to discern truth? Yeah, no, that's 100%. Courtney, I want to thank you so much. Another phenomenal episode. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking forward to uh, next week uh, already. And uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show as always. Thank you. This is awesome, as always. All right, everybody. So this was another episode of The Ross Project. You can find this episode in audio on Apple, Google, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora later on today. If you haven't subscribed to The Roz Project, please make sure you do so. And remember, do your own homework, do your own research, especially when it comes to uh, censorship. Have an amazing weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Pull up on the block in a big Corvette, yeah. Riding around the street with a stick.